0: Well, as we get started, I want to uh, make sure you are aware that it is Christmas Eve. I don't know if you knew that. Kids, did you know that? It is Christmas Eve. <laughs> kids, you are in here, and sometimes we feel wiggly. And guys, we are a family church, so we are thrilled to have wiggling kids in here. If you, as a parent, feel like you've got to take a break or you need to take a, a step outside, we actually have two places for you. And we want to make sure you know this so you get the most out of your time here today. If you go out those doors and to your right what you will find down that short hallway, there's a big sign that says infants, and there is a room. And if you uh, have a child you need a nurse or a baby that's just feeling a little fussy, we have an infant room in there where we're streaming everything so you don't miss a thing. Everything happening in here is in there. And then also, if you go out those doors and just directly out straight away, you'll find another set of double doors down the way and there's a gym there set up with, uh, apparently we have me on a big screen on like a 40 foot projection on the wall, which is a lot more me than I actually need. But if you, want to give your uh, little one a little place to run around as they're feeling the Christmas anticipation, you're welcome to do that. But I won't be too long. Uh, It is Christmas Eve and we want to get you on to where you are going. And what mostly would happen in this space is uh, somebody would stand up here and then they would read a little bit of the Christmas story and then explain that and we would go aw and then we'd be done. I don't usually like doing what most people do and so this day is no different. What I'm actually going to do, I'm still going to read from uh, the Bible, but I'd like to actually read, uh, not the Christmas story. You can go watch the Charlie Brown special and they read a little piece of it there. and You're welcome to have that. I'd actually like to read a little part uh, from the time when Jesus is collecting, is, is inviting his disciples, the people that followed him on his ministry on earth. And I wanna pull a little bit of that story out. We're gonna put it on the screen for you. You can read along with me from the book of John chapter one. The scripture says this. For the next day, uh, Jesus decided to leave Galilee Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. And Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. And Philip told Nathanael, and he found him and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote. It's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael replies, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? To this, Philip replies, come and see. Can anything good come from a place like Nazareth? Philip tells Nathaniel of the Messiah that's spoken about in the scripture. He's here. We found him. You've got to come and meet him. He's from Nazareth. He's Joseph's son. And Nathaniel's response is, what good could come from there? This Nazareth, which is this small, remote little hamlet disconnected from the center of power and commerce technology finance culture religion nazareth is nowhere and so philip's response to that what good can come from there philip says what come and see in my ears i hear him echoing the psalmist in psalm 34 who said taste and see that the lord is good like maybe being in the presence of this jesus would be enough for nathaniel to get and so instead of explaining it, instead of Philip saying, well, let me explain to you and let me tell you the evidence and let me say what he said, and, and let, Philip doesn't do any of that. Philip says, come and see, taste and see, when you, when you meet him, you'll know. Because Nathanael, like everyone else who encountered Jesus and heard he was claiming to be the son of God and the Messiah, they all would have had the same reaction. This is not the one promised us, the, the great rescuer and redeemer, where are his horses? Where is his army? Where is his power? Where is his wealth? How can you be a king with none of that? Nazareth? No. But Philip says, if you'll meet him, you will get it. Like, like, let's play a game. I think we can make sense of this. We'll play a little game. I'm going to give you, um, in our little game here, I want to give you endless dollars. Like no financial restrictions, no geographic restrictions, and I'm going to ask you to find me and tell me what this place might be. And and so you just need to know there's no restrictions at all. You can anywhere you want in the world. Where is the best food on earth? If I said you need to go find the best meal on earth. Anywhere it is, no restrictions, no financial restrictions, no nothing. Where would you tell me to go? Unlimited travel budget. What is the best meal on earth? And you might say France, Italy. You may want to go to a, a cosmopolitan center like London or New York. You may say, oh, you're way off. It's Beijing or it's Seoul. It's street food in Vietnam. You, you have no idea. You may say, what if I told you that the best food on earth was found at 440 East Court Street? <laughs> you might say Bowling Green? A frozen swamp? A breadstick to be dipped in ranch or marinara? You've got to be kidding me. Can anything good come from Bowling Green, from that map dot in Northwest Ohio, the frozen swamp? No, there's no way. And then I would say, as I opened up that steaming box of polyized breadsticks, I would say, just try one. Taste and see that the swamp is good. <laughs> See, Jesus was dismissed by many simply because of where he came from. Jesus showed up in a feeding trough in Bethlehem. He grew up in anonymity in exile in Egypt. He lived and worked in this backwater of Nazareth before spending his ministry with 12 faithful followers. And he spent that ministry in obscurity in a little town called Capernaum, which we would most likely compare to something about the size of Weston, Ohio. Where exactly? If Jesus got up to preach in America today and 12 faithful followers showed up with him, they would fold the church and say, that's not really viable. Jesus performed miracles. He healed paralytics. He gave sight to the blind and virtually no one knew about it didn't blow up on Instagram. He never went viral on TikTok. (laughs) Jesus spent his life in tiny Jewish villages. Why? I think there's a reason. It's as if God is making a point that Christmas reminds us that being noticed by the world isn't required to be seen by God. Maybe you need to hear that today. That being noticed by the world is not the same as being seen by God. Being important in the eyes of your culture is not the same as being valuable to the heart of the creator. Still, no one saw this coming, that the king would come from unexpected means that Jesus still showed up. And nonetheless, Jesus arrived to take on his kingdom. But what kind of king is born in an animal stall would be a king set to rule an upside-down kingdom? Jesus blessed the poor And the powerless, and he scolded the rich and well-connected. He lived not to collect favor or power, but to give it away. Jesus didn't come for the famous, but for the faithful. And the way that Jesus lived meant that the prostitutes and the lepers and the tax collectors and the sinners loved him. While the wealthy and politically connected, and yes, the religious killed him you see kings in those days lived distant lives maybe a little bit like presidents or prime ministers these days kings lived behind guarded gates big walls behind all kinds of protection there was someone who would taste the king's food before the king tasted it to make sure it wasn't poison the king was protected and distant god had no intention of ruling from a distance Instead, he sent Jesus to become a new kind of king. Jesus is God edging close to you. Christmas reminds us that God will stop at nothing to be with us. God doesn't want distance from us. He wants to be among us and with us. We also realize as we look at the story of Jesus that silence is not the same as absence. That silence is not the same as absence. We live in a loud world. You get in the car and everything's chirping at you. You get home and there's smart speakers and televisions and computers and you've got a supercomputer in your pocket that is always buzzing and beeping and whirring and everything wants your attention all the time. So when you pick it up, it gives you notifications. And when you go to the internet to read the news for the day, there are pop-up ads and things blaring and you're always trying to turn the volume down on life because life is loud. And yet, sometimes God is silent. In the never-ending competition for our hearts and our wallets, we live in a world that is endlessly noisy. And yet, there is a still, small voice. That if you listen for a moment, there is a whisper of hope in this world gone wrong. There is a whisper of peace in the chaos and brokenness of the world. Silence is not absence. So a Jewish child born in anonymity, in a manger, in an animal stall, in little old Bethlehem, who grew up in exile in Egypt, who ministered in obscurity, who changed the world forever, reminds us that silence is not absence. And so when, in a few minutes, we get to stand up and we light our candles and we sing silent night, it's not just a holiday tradition and a a warm, fuzzy moment, although it is that. It's a reminder to our own hearts that from silence comes world-changing hope. Christmas reminds us that the roar of hope in our hearts entered through a silent night. Maybe you're in this room, maybe you're watching with us online, and you would say that There's one voice you haven't heard this year among all the voices of all the people and the politicians and the doctors and the protocols and all the things that made this year kind of a stinker. Maybe the voice you haven't heard is God's voice. Silence is not absence. There was a silent gift given this year in a little map dot named Earlham, Iowa. In the midst of a pandemic Every little community dealt differently in Earlham with its few little restaurants and single stoplight was struggling, was reeling. It was around that time, mid-April, anonymous donor came to the mayor and he said, I don't want to be known, I don't want anybody to ever find out that it was me, but what I'd like to do, this donor said, is I want to give $150 in gift cards to three local restaurants, $50 each, to every household in Earlham, Iowa. The mayor said, wow, they totaled it up, it'd be about $80,000 to keep these restaurants afloat, to give some hope to the residents of this small little town. But he said, the only qualifier is it has to be silent, I don't want anybody to know. So the mayor agreed and they sent some folks out to buy these gift cards so no one would know the donor. And they showed up in mailboxes around the city with a letter from the mayor Mayor Jeff Lilly, who said the donation, quote, completely overwhelmed him. See, he knew that people around town had been laid off and were struggling. And the cards, said the mayor, gave him a reason to smile and to tell his people that he was charged to lead through unprecedented times that there was help on the way. Lilly told CNN, it came at the end of a couple of really hard weeks. And then holding back tears, he says this, I remember going home And walking through the front door, and I couldn't even speak for a minute. I was just crying like a baby. And the mayor says, my little boy saw me. And he wrapped his arms around my leg and he said, Daddy, what's wrong? Mayor Lilly said eventually he was able to choke out the words. Buddy, right now. For once, nothing is wrong. Christmas is a reminder that help is on the way. That in a world gone wrong, that Jesus came to set everything right again, once and for all. That as you and I struggle and grip and wonder what's wrong, Christmas is our whisper of From God, that says, Friends, for once this year, nothing's wrong. What if tonight is your night? Your night to block out the noise, to see for yourself, to embrace the truth of a silent night that even in the silence there is a true presence? What if tonight is your night to taste and see, to truly experience that He's good? To grab hold of Jesus, intimate and personal, because Christmas is God's reminder to you tonight, right where you are. Christmas is God's reminder that you are seen, even when no one notices. You are loved far more than you could ever imagine. That you are worthy of highest sacrifice. That you are not alone no matter how you are feeling, and that you are invited to join something bigger than yourself, to join something greater than your fears. You are invited to block out the noise, to see for yourself, taste and see, grab his hand, and trust him with the whole heart within you. Because God is here. He's good. And Christmas reminds us that it's all true. That 2,000 years after the events of the life of Jesus historically recounted by eyewitness after eyewitness, it's all true. And Christmas is your invitation to hold that, believe that, and to know that right now, for once, nothing's wrong. Jesus has come. He is God with us. And he is here to set us right Again, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for tonight, for a moment in time to remember amidst all that swirls around us that you are here with us, that through Christ you came to be with us, that you have stayed through your Holy Spirit, and that you desire for us to not only know you, but to flourish in this space. God, thank you for... Your promises, promises kept and promises still outstanding. God, thank you that it is all true, that we can rest upon you, we can rest in you, and that you in all things are with us. God, we lift our hearts to you today.
1: Father, thank you for coming to save us, God. We love you. You sing this out with me. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Never us receive.
0: anxiously awaiting. So if you have your candle, you can get out your lighter and get that turned on. And it's just such a beautiful picture as God's family comes together and becomes part of one voice. Just thinking about it, just a minute ago on the stage we have people who have been members for over 40 years at this church and people who have been members for about four months. We have a birthday, uh, 70th birthday that was just celebrated with one of our worship team members just this last week. Guess who? <laughs> and a 12th birthday that'll be celebrated in the days to come. We have generations of family in this room. And our tradition is simply this, that we close Christmas Eve by singing Silent Night, candlelight. So my prayer as you sing out this year is that you would remember that silence is not presence and that God roars into the world through this blessed silence. church, may you feel that heavenly peace this year. And as you go out of this place, may you go with that peace upon you, For wherever God may be taking you this season and in the year to come, may be greatly blessed. We look forward to seeing you back here soon. Merry Christmas. I was born. hi again just a reminder to let us know that you're listening by heading over to bgcovenant.org connect if you're ready to be known we'd love to know you and we hope you'll join us soon every sunday in person or online thanks for listening